hear now the reading of God's holy word. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away. Other boats from Tiberias came near to the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves, speaking here of the loaves that were multiplied by the Lord and given to the multitude. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Hmm. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, It was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from the Father and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. Did you hear that, brothers and sisters? All that the Father gives to me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not grumble amongst yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. This is now the reading of God's holy word. May he bless the preaching of it this afternoon. We are in our catechism considering the question of how we come to have the salvation that Christ has earned for us as our own. God, in his mercy and grace, did not leave mankind in their sin without hope, but determined to provide a Redeemer, Christ Jesus the Lord, Jesus Christ came in the fullness of time as the Messiah to live in perfect obedience to God, to keep all of His commandments, the moral law of God, including all of those laws given. In addition to that, the laws given to Old Covenant Israel, He obeyed them perfectly. He died the death of a sinner, though He Himself was not a sinner, because He died in the place of others. He went into the grave and He was raised again. He accomplished our redemption then. It is finished, he said. There was no more work left to be done. 
as it pertains to the accomplishment of our redemption. Christ finished the work completely. But is there work still to be done as it pertains to the redemption of God's elect? Uh, Yes, not in the accomplishment of it. Instead, there is work left to be done in the application of it. For men and women, boys and girls, are all born into this world sinners. They're born in Adam, in their sin, children of wrath, the scriptures say. And how does God save His elect? How does He apply the redemption that Christ has earned for them to them in time? How does He do that? That really is uh, the question that, that we are considering here. In fact, we began to consider it last week with the question, how does the Spirit apply to us the redemption purchased by Christ? In fact, before that, we asked the question, how are we made partakers of the redemption purchased by Christ? You see, we're dealing with the question, how do we come to benefit from what Christ has done for us so long ago? Uh, Question 32, how are we made partakers of the redemption purchased by Christ? We learned that we are made partakers of this redemption by the effectual application of it to us by His Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit applies this work that Christ has done to us. And then we asked further, how does the Spirit apply to us this redemption purchased by Christ? The Spirit applies to us the redemption purchased by Christ by working faith in us and thereby uniting us to Christ in our effectual calling. So there is that terminology, effectual calling. We talked about what that was last week just a bit, but notice question 34 really settles upon that phrase and says, well, what is effectual calling? I absolutely love the answer that is provided for us in our catechism. Brothers and sisters, our catechism, which is in fact the Westminster Shorter Catechism refined a bit, a bit is really brilliant. I I've studied a lot of theology over time. Certainly some have studied much more theology than I have studied uh, theology. Uh, But having read many, many books on theology, when I come to our catechism, I go, this document is brilliant. It, It is brilliant because of its precision, its accuracy. It is also brilliant because it is so concise. This doctrine of effectual calling is defined for us in a very short space. Each word is carefully chosen. You you would benefit greatly from memorizing the answers to these, qu- these questions and paying attention to every word, thinking every word is so carefully chosen. Uh, just a whole world of theology is condensed into a very short space here. What is effectual calling? The answer that is given is marvelous. Effectual calling is the work of God's Spirit. Effectual calling is the work of God's Spirit. So when we talk about effectual calling, we are not talking about an external call, the kind of call that a a human preacher might uh, deliver. Uh, Preachers call sinners to repentance all of the time, don't they? Uh, From the pulpit, they they will say to the congregation, turn from your sins and trust in Jesus the Christ. Some of you must do it for the first time, but... Others must continue to turn from their sins and to, to, to Christ over and over again. So, so human beings have this ability to deliver a kind of external call. They put out words that are received by natural ears, yes? Evangelists do the same thing. Turn from your sins to faith in Jesus Christ. That is a human call. It is an external call. It reaches physical ears. But does it always reach into the heart to bring about an effect, namely 
repentance from sins and faith in Christ. Not always. This is why Jesus in another place in Matthew's Gospel says that many are called, but few are chosen. How is the word call being used there? Uh, It is being used in reference to that external call, the kind of calling that humans can deliver, you see. We're talking about something different. When we talk about effectual calling... We are talking about a calling that is always effective. It always gets the job done. It always causes sinners to turn from their sins and to place their faith in Christ Jesus. It is effectual. And this calling is not the work of man. It is the work of God's Spirit. This is is the work that the Spirit does. It is not external heard only with natural ears, it is an internal work that takes place within the soul of man. It it is effective in the heart, you see. So that is what we are considering here. Not an external call, not the preaching of the gospel and a call to repentance from human beings, but an inward work of the Holy Spirit. Our 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 catechism goes on here to tell us what happens when the Spirit of God works in this way to call sinners to to repentance and to faith in Jesus Christ. You will notice the end result, skipping down in our catechism answer now. The end result is that sinners are persuaded and enabled to embrace Jesus. You see, uh, this calling, which is the work of the Holy Spirit, is effective. The end result is that sinners uh, are persuaded They are enabled to embrace Jesus Christ. These are the ones who actually do believe. It is those whom the Spirit draws. Did you hear it in that John 6 passage, by the way? Jesus spoke to that multitude of unbelieving people. And and He said to them, Don't get all hot and bothered. Don't don't grumble and complain. No one is able to come to Me unless the Father who sent Me draws him. So so no one is able. You've you've heard my teaching with your ears. You've been called to repentance with your ears. But here's the reality. No one from amongst you is going to be able to come to me and to believe in me savingly unless the Father who sent me draws him. And how does the Father draw except by the power of the Holy Spirit? So the end result of effectual calling is always the embrace of Jesus. Uh, Sinners turn from their sins and they embrace Jesus. And then the very last phrase in our catechism says that this is freely offered to them or to us in the gospel. What is being referred to there except the preaching of the gospel. So you can see how this works. How do people who live today come to partake of the redemption that Christ earned 2,000 years ago? Well, it is through the preaching of the gospel. Human preachers must preach the gospel. They must declare Jesus Christ crucified and risen. They must urge sinners to turn from their sins and to faith in Christ. But will that external call accomplish anything? We say no, there must be an internal call, an effectual work of the Holy Spirit within them. Effectual calling is the work of God's Spirit whereby God does persuade and enable us to embrace Jesus Christ freely offered to us in the gospel. But I skipped over three phrases in our catechism intentionally because I wanted to give attention to these and, and to, draw your, to, to draw your attention to them um, because our catechism actually uh, describes to us how this works inside of man. 
I, I appreciate this so much. There are three words that end with ing, convincing, enlightening, and renewing, that I think are very important. So how does, how does the Spirit work within us to, to cause us to turn from our sin and to place our faith in Jesus Christ? Well, the Spirit does a work inwardly so that we are enabled to do this. Uh, first of all, the Spirit of God convinces us of our sin and misery. So the soul is convicted, you see. The heart of man is convicted, made to see that they are in fact sinners in need of salvation. So the Spirit convinces us. In John 16, 8 we read, And when He comes, He, the Spirit, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in Me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see Me no longer, concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. But here Christ is speaking of the work that the Holy Spirit will do. What will the Spirit do except convict the world concerning sin? Acts 2.37 says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? When they heard this, what, what is it a reference to? It, when they heard the preaching of the gospel, they were cut to the heart. That's the phrase I'm drawing your attention to here. They were cut to the heart. What does that mean except that the Spirit of God was effectually calling these people? He was convicting them of sin and drawing them to faith and to repentance. Uh, the Holy Spirit of God convinces us of our sin and misery. What else does the Spirit do? The Spirit enlightens our minds in the knowledge of Christ. So you see that the heart is affected by the Spirit, so too is the mind. The Spirit enlightens our minds to the knowledge of Christ. Uh, it may be that a sinner will hear about Jesus over and over and over again and not believe but when the Spirit of God works in this effectual way, in this effective way, the mind is enlightened. Uh, they begin to, in that moment, understand the truth of the gospel. They understand the truth of Christ and what He has done for us. Um, we are told in Acts 26.18 that the Lord opens their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and place and a place amongst those who are sanctified by faith in, in Christ. Um, so uh, this, this enlightening, this opening of the eyes is what the Spirit does for the elect of God when He calls them to faith and repentance inwardly. Lastly, our catechism mentions the renewing of our wills. So you see that it is the, the heart, the mind, and the will that is touched by the Holy Spirit to make us able to believe our wills must be renewed. 1 Corinthians 12.13 says, Therefore I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. That word can is very important. That, that word can has to do with the, the ability of our wills. No one is able to say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. If anyone says Jesus is Lord sincerely and from the heart, it is because they have been enabled to do so by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has convicted the heart, has enlightened the mind, and has even renewed the will so that a person is able to say Jesus is Lord. 
Ezekiel 36, 26 speaks of this coming day from this Old Testament, Old Covenant perspective. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put in you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Uh, This prophecy spoke to the coming new covenant and the work that God would do in that day to, uh, to, to, by the power of the Holy Spirit, inwardly renew a soul so that people are willingly able to come to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I want you to notice this as we move towards, now, uh, towards a conclusion now. Um, it is we who exercise faith and not God for us. It is we who turn from sin. It's we who repent and not God for us. It is we who embrace Jesus, you see. That is something that we are called to do. The gospel calls us to do this, and in fact, we must do it. So men and women, boys and girls, must be exhorted to do all of these things. Turn from your sin, believe in Jesus, embrace Him. It is right that this exhortation be delivered. We are not in any way claiming that God does these things for us, and we do not do them for ourselves as if we were uh, merely robots, you see. That is not at all the teaching that is being presented here. But what we are saying is that in order for us to believe... In order for us to repent, in order for us to embrace Jesus, to run to Him, to confess Him as Lord, a work must be done in us, on our hearts, in our minds, and even our wills must be renewed so that we are able to do this very thing. Again, that is what Jesus taught to that crowd. No one is able to come to me unless the Father who sent me draws Him, He said there in John six forty-four. Do you have a clear understanding of what effectual calling is? I hope that you do. Effectual calling does not mean that we do not does not mean that we do not preach the gospel. We must, because God works through the preaching of the gospel. But here we are saying that God must do a deeper work. The Spirit of God must move. The Spirit of God must call God's elect to faith and to repentance.